Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we have another fantasy football episode coming your way. We're going to be talking about our rookie rankings for the 2023 season. So whether you are doing a dynasty startup, whether you are doing a dynasty rookie draft, or whether you're just seeing where the rookies fall in line for season-long fantasy football for when your draft comes later on this summer, we've got you covered. We're going to be breaking down all the rookies, talking about what we've seen from them in college, where I rank them in terms of their fit and their situation here in the NFL, and just how how I would draft them in Dynasty and Redraft Fantasy Football League. So if you like what you hear on this episode, guys, make sure you hit that subscribe button because we're going to have some more fantasy football content coming your way all summer long. We're going to be starting up with our team previews next week, uh, as well as talking about some best ball strategies if you do any best ball leagues on Underdog or DraftKings or anywhere else. So hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when new episodes drop. And please rate and review the podcast. It really does help me out a lot. I really do appreciate it. And if you're into other sports, um, we do have golf previews dropping every week. Next week, we're going to be previewing the Byron Nelson Championship, and the week after is another major. It is the PGA Championship, so make sure you come back for those episodes. If you play DFS golf or if you like to bet on golf, we've got you covered in that regard as well. All right, so enough promotion. Let's go ahead and dive into the rookie rankings. We're going to start with the quarterback position, and we've got five of them that we've got to rank. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. Before we dive into the rankings, it is important to know that for these rankings, I'm going to be just talking about standard redraft leagues for my rankings. If I have somebody slotted in a different spot for Dynasty, I will make sure to specify it. But just a heads up, if you're just listening at a glance and you're just looking like at the rankings out of the list, that's going to be what it's for is for redraft. And again, I will specify for the Dynasty ranks. Anyway, my fifth ranked quarterback, the kind of the only one that has any value of this quarterback class outside the top four is going to be Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, was recently drafted to Detroit. Now, the reason why I don't really think too highly of Hendon Hooker this season uh, is because just the track record of third-round quarterbacks has not been too great. Like, you just look at the recent third-round quarterbacks. You got Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, Will Greer, and Mason Rudolph in the last five years. And um, that's not exactly a list of pro bowlers. That's not exactly a list of guys who, even after a few years in the NFL, were able to catch on as a starter. It just didn't really happen for any of them. So I just don't really think that there's a whole lot of a path to Hendon Hooker being, you know, a starting NFL quarterback. As much as I like his game, it's just not a likely outcome for a third-round quarterback. Now, there are some third-round quarterbacks who have had success, most notably Pro Football Hall of Famer Joe Montana, but in recent years, Russell Wilson and Nick Foles have had some fantasy relevance as third-round quarterbacks. Now, I do think their situation is a little bit different from Hooker's, though. Russell Wilson was drafted to be the starter in Seattle. They really were only had Matt Flynn on their roster at the time when they drafted Russell Wilson, so they brought him in to immediately compete for the starting job. And that's not exactly the situation that Hooker is in uh, in Detroit, where Jared Goff was a pretty solid starter for them last year, and there's no real QB competition. Uh, and then Nick Foles needed injuries to Michael Vick at the start of his career in order to gain the starting job for Philadelphia. So maybe that might be a little comparison for Hooker where, you know, maybe if Jared Goff, you know, gets the hook as a starter or gets hurt, then maybe that could lead to a path for fancy success for Hendon Hooker, but he's going to need that to happen if he wants it. However, I do like his game. I do think that Detroit's a pretty quarterback friendly offense. So I do think that out of any other quarterbacks that I could have named here, he's getting my spot at number five, because I do think if he gets the starting job, he definitely brings you some upside because of his talent and because of that offense around him. 
At number four is going to be Will Levis. Um, Will Levis was drafted with a second-round pick by the Tennessee Titans, and to me, he's clearly coming in as the backup to Ryan Tannehill. Even though the Titans have kind of tried to, um, they've kind of tried to edge Tannehill out over the last two years. They just really haven't like found the guy that's been able to do that. So I think that he definitely has a little more chance to be a starter this year than Hendon Hooker does, but not as much as my top three guys. And for Will Levis, the metrics were not great in college. He was drafted highly and thought of as a high prospect just because of all the physical tools that he brought with his arm, with his running ability, and with his size. Um, the accuracy metrics, not great. I, I don't think he's ready to run an NFL offense yet. Uh, so I'd, I've got him sitting here right at four. I think he has a quicker path to being a starting quarterback in the NFL than Hendon Hooker. But if the two were to end up both like, getting starting jobs, I think the Hooker would probably be the better quarterback. So that's why I can't rank Will Levis lower than Hooker because I think he is more likely to be a starter. But I don't think I can give Will Levis any higher than four. Now, number three in my redraft rankings, I'll, I'll explain that here later, is Anthony Richardson of the Colts drafted out of Florida. And simply put, y'all, he is not a polished passer coming into the NFL. The accuracy numbers are not great in college. And just watching him in college, he just didn't really have a whole grasp of making NFL level reads of a defense. However, he's got some upside. He's got the best rushing upside of any quarterback in this class. He's very athletic. Uh, he can move in the pocket. He can be used on design runs. And we know we love that out of fantasy quarterbacks, right? Now, Shane Steichen is also now his head coach in Indianapolis. And Shane Steichen runs one of the most quarterback-friendly offenses in the NFL. His quarterbacks in the last three seasons have been Justin Herbert in 2020 and Jalen Hurts in 2021 and 22. Respectively, they were ranked quarterback 9, 6, and 1 in QB fantasy points per game the last three seasons. Yeah, Herbert was the lowest out of all of them. Hertz was 6 and 1. Yeah, pretty impressive, right? Anyway, what that means for us is that this Shane Steichen offense is going to be a very QB friendly offense that when Richardson becomes the starter is going to be adapted to his skill set and allow him to succeed. So for that reason, he is my number three quarterback in redraft. I don't think he's going to have as much value this year as the two guys in front of him, but he is actually my number one dynasty quarterback because I think that it's more likely out of any quarterback in this class that he is the home run pick in dynasty and that he is a year in year out top five, top 10 fantasy quarterback. So that is why he is my number one dynasty quarterback. Now, number two in my redraft and number two in my dynasty rookie quarterback rankings is Bryce Young of the Carolina Panthers, recently drafted out of Alabama. Frank Reich is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and he is another coach whose offense is very quarterback friendly. This offense peaked with Carson Wentz in 2017 when Wentz ended third in fantasy points per game. And I really like this offense that Carolina's kind of built around Bryce Young. It's just a solid core of weapons. There's no one dominant skill player in this offense, but there's just a lot of solid guys that are going to be able to get open and going to be able to catch the ball and give Bryce Young solid targets to throw to. He's now got DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Terrace Marshall, and LaVisca Chanel, as well as rookie Jonathan Mingo. More on him later. And so that's just a pretty solid receiving core for Bryce Young that he's going to be throwing to in Carolina. Now, I do think that even though he was drafted number one overall, we're definitely going to have to wait and see over the summer if he does end up being the opening day starter because Carolina did bring in Andy Dalton. If you told me right now that Bryce Young was guaranteed to start on day one, he would probably be number one in my rankings. But I just don't think that they're necessarily going to do that. I think that Frank Reich has a plan, and I think the Scott Fitter has a plan. And if that plan is going to be to sit Bryce for you know a few games or half a year or whatever, I think they're going to stick to it. And so I definitely think that I'm not willing to guarantee that he's the day one starter in Carolina. Now, Carolina's offense also 
last year won games in the second half of the season because of their effective run game and their defense. So does this offense end up leaning into it again this year? I don't know. It's a possibility. Now, also, could health be an issue for Bryce Young long-term because of his lack of size? He's, he's not a big guy. And you look at other smaller quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, they've been injury-prone. So I definitely think that there's a few concerns for Bryce Young. So that is why I would have him as number two. But you look at his body of work and what he did in college and just what he brings to the table with his arm, with everything that Bill O'Brien, Nick Saban, and all those IQ tests have said about his intellect, he brings the full skill set to the table. Uh, and so that is why he does end up as number two in redraft and dynasty, in my opinion. Now, the last guy that is number one in redraft and number two, Three in Dynasty is going to be C.J. Stroud of the Houston Texans drafted out of Ohio State. He has the best immediate path to being a starter with only Davis Mills to beat out in Houston. And honestly, Houston is likely to be bad again this year, which means that he's going to be trailing in a lot of games. And so there's going to be, be plenty of passing volume to go around. This team's going to be throwing the ball all over the yard. And his passing metrics were actually the best out of this class in college. Like he pretty much ranked number one in everything like yards per attempt, um, you know, accuracy like he just they, he was off the charts in college however the one red flag on him would be that we are yet to see an urban meyer or ryan day coached quarterback be successful in the nfl long term and he's kind of got the second overall curse to break too the list of second overall quarterbacks that have been drafted has been pretty ugly zach wilson mitch trubisky marcus Mariota. yeah not exactly the guys you want to be compared to right so cj shroud does have a little bit of concerns but his immediate path to being a starter and his likely pass-heavy offense in Houston does lead him to be my number one rookie quarterback heading into the 2023 season. All right, that does it for the quarterbacks. So let's take a breather, and then let's talk about running backs. You might be surprised at who number one is. Actually, you probably won't be. But let's take a quick breather. So to summarize the quarterback position, I realize I should have done that before we break, but um, we're doing it now. So to summarize the quarterback position in redraft, it was one, Stroud, two, Young, three, Richardson, four, Levis, five, Hooker. Uh, and then the one changes we made were in the top three in Dynasty. One was Richardson, two was Young, and three was Stroud. All right, so let's talk about running backs now. So I'm only going to rank eight running backs because I think that these eight are really the only eight that are worth a look in redraft leagues. However, I do want to mention that seemingly every year, there's an undrafted or a day three running back who has an impact in fantasy. Think Elijah Mitchell or think Isaiah Pacheco last year. There's always one of these guys that finds a way to make an impact near the end of the season, and you never know who it's going to be. But usually those guys are guys who are one injury away where the starter gets injured and boom, all of a sudden they're thrust in this role and now they're just going to take it, run with it. So the guys that could do that, um, I think there's three of them. Deuce Vaughn, Izzy Abanaconda, and Chase Brown. I think they're all worth a dart throw uh, in a late round dynasty league or you know, if you're in like a 20 team or 16 team fantasy league in redraft, I think you could go with one of those guys, maybe just as a dart throw because there is a little bit of upside there, but it's just not a likely outcome. So Let's start with the rankings now. Number eight is going to be Roshan Johnson. So Roshan Johnson's coming out of Texas, and he was just drafted by the Chicago Bears. Now, Roshan was actually Bijan Robinson's backup at Texas for the last three seasons, but he 
was very effective, even, even in limited usage. He was great at the goal line and in short yardage situations. And honestly, this guy's a tank. He is very big, very fast, very athletic for his size. And I just, I really like his game. And I think it profiles well to the National Football League. The Chicago Bears also do not have a lot invested at the running back position. They've got Cool Herbert still on a rookie contract. And Deontay Foreman, only $2 million per year short term, not a long-term deal for Deontay Foreman. And the Bears are one of the most run-heavy teams in the league. So while it looks like this team's probably going to be running back by committee to start the season, I could absolutely see the talent of Roshan Johnson taking over and becoming the lead back on this team by the season's end. And so that is why he finds his way at number eight in my rankings. Number seven is going to be Devin A-Chain, drafted to the Dolphins out of Texas A&M. So he enters a super crowded Miami running back room with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. And honestly, if those two guys weren't there, he might be like number two or number three on this list because it's a great situation for him. Miami has a very effective run game. Uh, just last season alone, they averaged over 21 fantasy points per game from Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson combined. And A-Chain is the type of guy that he really fits this Mike McDaniel slash Kyle Shanahan infused scheme very well. They, he loves fast backs. They can get to the outside, make one cut, and go on an outside zone play uh, and take it to the house from there. Think Raheem Mostert, think Jeff Wilson Jr., right? And Devin Haychain could be that guy. He was the fastest back in this class running the 40-yard dash at the combine, and he averaged 6.4 yards per carry in college, had multiple touchdowns of over 75 yards at Texas A&M. So he's the type of guy that if he just finds himself into a like situational role or a committee role, he only needs one or two plays to give you a good fantasy day if he breaks off a long run for a touchdown. So I definitely think the A-chain, the super crowded running back room hurts his upside, but he is a guy that can make an impact in a small role because of his big playability. So that's why he finds himself at number seven. Now, number six is going to be Ty J Spears coming out of Tulane, recently drafted by the Tennessee Titans. He comes in as the immediate third down back in Tennessee, which is a guy they really haven't had in a long time. They kind of tried to make Darren Hilliard this guy, but that's not exactly his game. Spears, to me, fits this role perfectly. The only problem is, is that like the third down back role is going to be like all he's getting because Derrick Henry is still there in Tennessee. He's still getting paid a lot of money. He's still locked up to a long-term deal. So I don't really think there's much of a path for Ty J Spears to become the workhorse back in Tennessee, at least while Derrick Henry is still there. But he can definitely, with his pass catching abilities, carve out a role in third down where he comes in, gets a few carries per game, gets a few targets per game, is able to you know, get the ball in his hands. And I definitely think that there is a path to fantasy relevance for Ty J Spears just in this third down back role. Coming in at number five is Tank Bigsby coming out of Auburn, recently drafted to Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, he comes in as the change of pace back to Travis Etienne, um, which is like not a bad thing because Travis Etienne's not exactly a guy who dominated last season. He only had a 59% snap share the entire season. Now, a lot of that was when uh, James Robinson was a Jaguar, and I kind of think that Tank Bigsby could fill into that James Robinson role. Bigsby's got a lot of talent. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He led Auburn in rushing all three years he was there, including as a freshman, and he averaged 5.4 yards per carry in college. In fact, if you just took out like the Georgia games, it probably would have been around 5.9 or 6 because the Georgia games, he was really not effective. He did have one successful day against Alabama, uh, and he really ran overall 
all all over Ole Miss whenever he played him. So um, he if he if he's getting the job done against SEC defenses, he's going to be able to break tackles at the NFL level. Uh, and so I do think that Tank Bigsby he's got talent. He's got a pathway to a solid snap share as the change of pace to ETN. So I've got him slotted right in here at number five. And I think that we could be headed towards a running back by committee situation in Jacksonville where it's close to a 50-50 split between ETN and Bigsby. Now, here's where we got a little bit of change for the dynasty rankings and the redraft rankings. In redraft, number four for me is going to be Zach Charbonnet, who was drafted to Seattle um, out of UCLA by way of Michigan, if you recognize that name. And honestly... I kind of think Zach Charbonnet is this year's Kenneth Walker, which is ironic because Kenneth Walker is on his team in Seattle. Think about the, uh, the similarities, right? Kenneth Walker was drafted in the second round. Zach Charbonnet was drafted in the second round. Seattle's lead running back last season was top 10 over the second half of the season. That was Kenneth Walker. 2021, Rashad Penny was top 10 over the second half of the 2021 season. So you're looking at a guy who was drafted in the second round when the running back before him was successful right? Well, last year, Rashad Penny got hurt, and Kenneth Walker filled in very, very good job out of Kenneth Walker last year. He ended the season as RB15 in fantasy points per game, which is definitely a path that, like, Charbonnet could fit, right? Like, if Kenneth Walker were to get hurt, or if, you know, the coaching staff prefers Charbonnet to Kenneth Walker, well, there you go. He's going to be, you know, easy path for fantasy points in this Seattle offense. And actually, believe it or not, all the advanced metrics favor Charbonnet over Walker. He's bigger, faster, he was more talented, better recruit coming out of high school. So I definitely think that Charbonnet long-term could supplant Kenneth Walker III as the workhorse back in this Seattle offense, which, as previously stated, is a very lucrative offense. So for that reason, Zach Charbonnet actually comes in as running back three in Dynasty because I really do like his ability. I think he's got some upside long-term is what I'm saying. And so I definitely got him ranked three in Dynasty and four in Redraft because the next guy, number three, Kendra Miller, has more value this season than I think he will long-term. Kendra Miller, coming out of TCU, was drafted to the Saints in round three. And he did end his career at TCU with an injury, but I think the fact that he was drafted in round three clears any concern for that. And honestly, the reason he's here at three this season is because of the Alan Kamara situation. If you are not familiar, Alan Kamara was, Alvin Kamara, was arrested over Pro Bowl weekend at Las Vegas in 2022. No, yes, in 2022. Um... And the NFL has not suspended him for it yet. And it's kind of likely they're going to. And the precedent has kind of been six games. So if Kamara ends up with a six-game suspension, you could end up with six games of Kendra Miller just unleashed in this Saints backfield. So depending on how long Kamara's gone, if Kamara's gone for more long-term than that, Miller could have even more value, right? And so for that reason, I think Kendra Miller has more immediate value than Zach Charbonnet. But in Dynasty, I definitely like the upside of Charbonnet a little more than Kendra Miller because like Alvin Kamara is going to be back to playing 17 games in 2024. So it's not like it's going to be a permanent thing unless Kendra Miller just comes in and like absolutely lights the world on fire. But, you know, not exactly the most likely outcome there. So I do like Kendra Miller's chances this season to be the third running back in fantasy, but he is running back four in dynasty for me. Now, number two is Jameer Gibbs coming out of Alabama, drafted to the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to be honest, y'all, Gibbs could be running back one in like, almost any other running back class because first-round running backs have a very good track record in fantasy. If you go back to 2015, Todd Gurley, RB9, Ezekiel Elliott, RB2, Leonard Fournette, RB9, 
Christian McCaffrey, RB10. Saquon Barkley, RB1. Josh Jacobs, RB21. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, RB22. Najee Harris, RB3. All in their rookie years. So I know there was a lot of numbers flying at you there, so let me sum it up for you. That's an average of RB9 for every running back who was drafted in the first round in their rookie season. There were only two that were outside of the top 10. That's Josh Jacobs and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. First round running backs is like a gold mine in fantasy. And Jameer Gibbs was drafted number 12 overall to the Detroit Lions. Now let's talk about Gibbs's game. So Gibbs at Alabama was an elite pass catching back. He was actually the most targeted player at Alabama last season. And to me, he immediately comes in and takes over the DeAndre Swift role. If you listen to my draft recap last week, I mentioned how crowded that running back room. Well, guess what? It got a lot less crowded when DeAndre Swift got traded to Philadelphia. So Gibbs to me is going to immediately take over the DeAndre Swift role. And it could actually be bigger than that. Because I always got the vibe that the coaching staff in Detroit preferred Jamal Williams over DeAndre Swift and was just not a fan of DeAndre Swift. Well, guess what? This coaching staff loves Jameer Gibbs. Have you seen their reaction in the draft room when they drafted him? Yeah, he is their guy. So I think his role is going to be even bigger than DeAndre Swift's was last year, which was pretty substantial because DeAndre Swift was RB16 in fantasy points per game last season. So I think that that gives Jameer Gibbs a lot of upside. We know the track record for rookie running backs drafted in the first round. To me, right now, Jameer Gibbs is RB16 in my rankings, and he is RB2 uh, for this rookie class in Dynasty. And I think I can make a compelling argument that he should be worth a first or second round pick in a Dynasty startup. Now, number one. No surprise is going to be Bijan Robinson coming out of Texas, drafted to the Atlanta Falcons. So, like, Bijan is a generational talent. Um, he is a top five running back in redraft overall, not just rookies. Overall, he's a top five running back. And in a dynasty startup, or let me rephrase in a dynasty rookie draft, he's your number one overall pick. Don't overthink it. In a dynasty startup, he should be the number one overall pick. Don't overthink it. He is the best running back prospect coming into the league since Saquon Barkley five years ago. He is an early declare, which means that if you think about it, he's kind of going to get an extra year on his career in the NFL, which I really like for running backs because it's kind of like one less year of mileage of getting tackled, of getting hits. So I really do like that for him also. And I also think the landing spot was great for him. He got drafted by the Falcons which I mentioned on the draft show, right? There's a little bit of competition from Algier and Patterson, but I don't think that that competition matters as much as I previously thought because this coaching staff clearly loves the guy to draft him at number eight overall when the team has other needs, I might add. And the Falcons are a team that loves to run the football. They led the entire NFL in rush rate last season, and they have an above-average offensive line. This team is going to just give the ball and give the ball and give the ball to B. John Robinson all day long for the entirety of his career if he stays in Atlanta. So I think this is an elite situation. Um, he's a top five pick in redraft leagues in general. He's the 1.01 in dynasty rookie drafts. He's the 1.01 in dynasty startups. Done. B. John Robinson, like, I, I can't speak highly enough about B. John Robinson. So to recap the running back position in redrafts. It goes Robinson, Gibbs, Miller, Charbonnet, Bigsby. And in Dynasty, I got Robinson, Gibbs, Charbonnet, Miller, Bigsby for the top five. All right, so let's take a quick break, and then we're going to get to the last segment, which is the wide receiver position. 
All right, so the wide receiver position is a little more crowded than the running back and the quarterback position, you know, because there's more of them. But I'm going to rank five of them um, at the wide receiver spot. So the reason why I'm going to do that is because it's just really hard for a wide receiver to break through as a rookie. There's just so much depth at this position in the league that just it's hard for rookie receivers to break in and carve out a role and have a consistent target share week in and week out. Now, if you're looking at, you know, evidence of that, there was no rookie wide receivers that were in the top 20 in fantasy points last year. Year. And there were only four rookie wide receivers in the top 40 in fantasy points last year. So I'm going to kind of recap some like guys that, um, you know, are, are 10 through six, I, I guess you could say in terms of the wide receiver position for rookies. Uh, I'm not going to go into great detail on them, but here would be my 10 through six. Um, I think these guys all have a little bit of upside. Tank Dell drafted to the Houston Texans. Um, apparently, the backstory is C.J. Stroud really loves this guy and told Houston to go get him. Um, and I definitely could see with Houston's very pedestrian receiving core, I could see Tank Dell really carving out a role there. So I definitely am going to put him here at number 10. Rasheed Rice is going to be number nine. Um, he was drafted to Kansas City. And y'all, I was on the Sky Moore hype train all last season. I was wrong. And... You know, I'm not going to go overboard on Rasheed Rice unless, like, I don't know, unless I see evidence of it in the preseason or training camp that he is out there with the starters because Sky Moore, like, the situation was great. The, the team that he got drafted to was great. Just didn't really pan out, and sometimes it can be that way. The process can be great. The You know, the prediction can look like a smart one, and then the guy's just not a great fit for the team. And so I'm not going to, you know, go overboard on Rasheed Rice yet, but I definitely do think with him being drafted to Kansas City, that's an offense that if you're able to find yourself as a starter, you could really rack up some fancy points. Jaywin Hyatt is going to be number eight, drafted to the New York Giants. Um, another receiving core that doesn't really have like any game breakers in it at the moment. Um, and I could see him breaking through and becoming an everyday starter, but I, I don't think it's the most likely outcome, especially, you know, with the Giants being not a super pass heavy offense. So he's going to sit right there at eight. Marvin Mims Jr. is going to be seven, um, drafted to the Denver Broncos. That is an offense where they really only have two receivers that played consistently last year um, in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. So if Marvin Mims is able to break through and be the third wide receiver in a Sean Payton coached offense, I definitely think there is some upside there. I also think that the way he was used at Oklahoma wasn't exactly like indicative of his full game. They kind of really just took deep shots to him, which... I don't know. I don't, I don't. I think he can do more than that. So uh, I'm really interested to see if Marvin Mims Jr. can break through as a starter, and if he does, his value is going to go up. And then Jonathan Mingo, drafted to the Carolina Panthers, is going to be number six for me. Um, this is another crowded receiving room that doesn't really have any game breakers, um, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so I do think if he can carve out a role with Bryce Young, um, then he could absolutely have some upside. And I think when you look at Mingo, he's got a great physical profile. Um, he's fast, he's big, he's strong, he can run the full route tree. Um, I think that everything sets up well for Mingo, but he's going to have to break through and be a starter if he wants to be fancy relevant. All right, so now we're going to go into some detail. So wide receiver five is going to be Jaden Reed, drafted to the Green Bay Packers out of Michigan State. So to me, this is more of an upside shot than a known entity. It was really hard to evaluate Jaden Reed at Michigan State because of their erratic quarterback play and their offense that really didn't throw the ball a whole lot. It wasn't really successful throwing the ball. So he was really hard to evaluate, but it looks like he does have the physical tools and it looks like he does have the ability to create big plays and he does have a path to be the starting slot receiver in Green Bay. Um, Green Bay's only returning receivers that logged any sort of significant time last year are Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, who 
aren't exactly like like big name proven wide receivers, right? Like Christian Watson had a few great games last year, but you know, very small sample size. Romeo Dobbs had his issue with drops last year. Um, and so, you know, with the Green Bay Packers having new quarterback Jordan Love, um, if he does end up having a rapport with Jaden Reed, there could definitely be a path to some serious fantasy production for Jaden Reed. So that is why he slots ahead of the other five that I mentioned, and he is here at number five. Zay Flowers is going to be number four. He was drafted to the Baltimore Ravens out of Boston College. Now, I absolutely love this kid in college. If you go back and listen to um, my first round draft recap episode last week, um, you can hear more thoughts about what I thought about him in college. But I just think he's got a truly complete game. He commanded a huge target share in college, runs the full route tree, can you know can make plays at every level in terms of the screen game, the short passing game, intermediate and deep game. Um, and he's just, in my opinion, the best receiver pound for pound. Like if you were asking me to go play a pickup game for my life and I get to pick one of the wide receivers from this class, I'm picking Zay Flowers, right? But I think that he actually got drafted to one of the worst teams for a wide receiver to be on because Baltimore is one of the top five run heavy teams in the league, just not a whole lot of passing volume to go around. And when they do pass, Mark Andrews commands a huge target share. In fact, 29% target share out of Mark Andrews last year. And so Zay Flowers projects to be the third receiver on this team at the moment on the depth chart behind Rashad Bateman and behind Odell Beckham Jr. Now, if he ends up beating out one of those guys in camp or if one of those guys gets hurt, then maybe this is a moot point. But if he's going to be the third wide receiver, that's not a good sign because Baltimore runs 11 personnel at one of the lowest rates in the league. They play with a fullback and a tight end on the field at a very high rate. And so they're really only trotting out one or two wide receivers on most snaps. And that's not good for our guys, Zay Flowers. So I really do think Zay Flowers does have a wide range of outcomes because if Odell Beckham or Rashad Bateman were to get hurt, and he were to become, you know, the lead target getter out of the receiver position for Baltimore, then he could have a big season because we've seen big play receivers have success in that offense. Think Hollywood Brown a few years ago. But as it stands right now, I don't really see that path yet. And so he sits here at number four because of his talent and because of what I know he can do. But he's got a super wide range of outcomes for this season and a super wide range of outcomes for his career. So I don't feel comfortable ranking him any higher than four. At number three is going to be Quentin Johnston, drafted to the Los Angeles Chargers out of TCU. Now, Quentin Johnston is kind of a weird profile in terms of his ability that he showed in college. He's like a big, physical-looking wide receiver that doesn't really win a whole lot of jump balls or win a whole lot of contested catches. But he is big, and he is fast, and he is lethal after the catch. Kind of a unique player. But anyway, so what we're looking at here is Quentin Johnston drafted to the Chargers. To me, he slides immediately into the Josh Palmer role, where when they ran 11 personnel last season, when everybody was healthy, it was Keenan Allen, it was Josh Palmer, and it was Mike Williams that were in the game. And so I think that with the health of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams always being in question, Quentin Johnston could have a lot of upside. Last year, Allen and Williams did both get banged up at various points in the season. And so Josh Palmer, as kind of the next man up, finished the season as wide receiver 37 last year. And Josh Palmer played at over a 70% snap share in each of the first 14 games. So if we get that out of Quentin Johnston, and I think he ends up being a better receiver than Josh Palmer, like that's not such a bad outcome, right? Especially if Allen or Williams get hurt and miss extended time. And, you know, you see Johnston get more and more targets, more and more production. Josh Palmer did 
put together two big-time top 10 individual weeks last season. So I definitely think there is going to be some upside for Quentin Johnson if he is able to wrestle that role from Josh Palmer. So with Josh Palmer being wide receiver 37 last year, in my preliminary rankings, I got Quentin Johnson right around that, right around wide receiver 37. Jackson Smith and Jigba is my number two rookie wide receiver. However, he is my number one rookie wide receiver in Dynasty. So here is why. Jackson Smith and Jigba was primarily a slot receiver at the Ohio State University. And so he comes into Seattle with the inside track to start at the slot position for Seattle, which is a very lucrative fantasy position. We've seen in the time that Pete Carroll has been at Seattle, we've seen Golden Tate, Doug Baldwin, and Tyler Lockett all have top 20 fantasy seasons from the slot in this offense. So definitely a spot you want to be in, right? Now, the question is, is even if he is the slot, how much targets is Jackson Smith and Jigba going to command? Well, last season, DK Metcalf had a 26% target share. Tyler Lockett had a 23% target share. And Tyler Lockett actually played a little bit out of the slot last season. So I think you kind of, if you want to project Jackson Smith and Jigba to about 20 targets, right? Um, it, it wouldn't be that hard because Marquise Goodwin actually had a 10% target share. So go ahead and just dump all 10 of those to Jackson Smith and Jigba and then have him steal 5% each from Metcalf and Lockett. And then that's 20% for Jackson Smith and Jigba. It'd be 21% for DK Metcalf, 18% for Tyler Lockett. I actually think that's a totally legitimate outcome. And so I definitely think there is a pathway to an over 20% target share for Jackson Smith and Jigba, which is a number that we really want to make sure that we get to in fantasy. So in terms of this season, he's in the high 20s, in my opinion, in um, um, redraft leagues. I was looking for the word there for a second. Um, and he is my number two redraft wide receiver. He is my number one dynasty receiver because I do love the upside of being the slot in this Seattle offense long term. Now, number one in redraft and number two in dynasty is going to be Jordan Addison, who was recently drafted to the Minnesota Vikings by way of Southern California, by way of the University of Pittsburgh. Two schools, one of which where he actually, it's weird where you see a guy win the Bolitnikoff Award at Pitt and then transfer to USC and have a much less successful season. Anyway, I think you can blame injuries a little bit for that one. But we're looking at Jordan Addison, right? And to me, he inserts right into the wide receiver role in Minnesota, which is another, much like the slot in Seattle, another profitable position for wide receivers to play in because that role, the wide receiver two role in the Minnesota offense is averaging a 21% target share over the last five seasons. Now, if you're wondering why I cherry-picked that number five seasons, that's how long Kirk Cousins has been in Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins actually threw the ball last year more times than he had at any point in his career. So this Minnesota offense is getting more and more pass happy as we go further and further into the career of Justin Jefferson, right? Who's clearly a big factor for any wide receiver in the Minnesota offense. So even alongside Justin Jefferson, there is room for success for another wide receiver is what I'm saying. Because the last time Adam Thielen was fully healthy, which was 2021, Adam Thielen finished his wide receiver 14. So I definitely think that would be like the ceiling for Jordan Addison. And I think his game complements Justin Jefferson so well. Jefferson is a guy that can hurt you at all levels with the full route tree, inside, outside, sets up double moves. Just Jefferson is the complete package at the wide receiver position. And you have to devote attention to him wherever he lines up. Jordan Addison is a guy who... If you're going to leave a corner on an island in man coverage, or if you're going to have your zone coverage, have all eyes on Justin Jefferson, Addison is the type of guy that can make you pay. He's an e elite possession wide receiver. 
He's a great route runner. He's got great hands. He's going to win one-on-ones, and he's going to be smart enough to find the soft spots in zone coverage. So I just love this spot for Jordan Addison. And to me, this season, he projects as a mid-20s type wide receiver, uh, and he is my number one wide receiver in redraft leagues and my number two wide receiver in Dynasty for the role that he is in in Minnesota. The reason why I have him in, as number two in Dynasty is because I think Jackson Smith and Jigba could profile as the number one wide receiver in Seattle long-term, whereas Minnesota's number one wide receiver long-term is Justin Jefferson. So I think the upside is a little bit capped for Jordan Addison, but I love the position he's in. I think he's going to be a very solid wide receiver this year, and he is my number one rookie wide receiver. All right, so that does it for the wide receiver position, and that does it for the 2023 rookie rankings. If you want more content like this, make sure you hit the subscribe button because we are going to be doing more fantasy football content all summer long. We're going to be starting with the team previews coming up shortly, and we're going to be doing our best ball tips um, up here shortly as well. Trying to work out an exact release schedule on those because if you've listened to any other of my podcasts, you do know that I am a teacher and a high school football and basketball coach. And right now I'm applying to be a national board certified teacher. So I've got some papers that I've got to write over the next few weeks. So I'm going to try to figure out a good release schedule for all this content, but I do promise that it will be coming your way. You hit that subscribe button. You'll get notified when it drops. You please rate and review. It really does help me out a lot. All right, so that does it for this episode, guys. I will be back here on the podcast next week to talk about the Byron Nelson Championship for the PGA, and then the week after to talk about the PGA Championship Golf Second Major. And then, like I said, the fantasy football content will be coming your way also. So stay tuned for all of that. Best of luck to you guys in all your fantasy endeavors this season. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time. Mm -hmm.